here to sugarcoat I'm sorry about you Too much shelter causes pain Let's just be real honest Things are gonna knock you down Avoidance will not help you out Let's talk it through you, me and you Let's keep it real honest Hi friends, welcome back to the podcast after that super abrupt ending last week because I wasn't watching the time and I was like, oh no, it's been an hour. I don't want to talk for that long. Um, so sorry for that. Um, I'm going to just kind of dive right into part two this week and if I have time, I'll do like the other segments and stuff and whatever. Or maybe I should start with a brief recap from last week. If you did not listen to last week, um, basically I'm talking about how hard it is to find a church home and just kind of going through my own journey of churches that I've been to and like how I landed at the one that I'm at now. So if you did not listen to last week's episode, pause, go start there and then come to this one because I'm talking in chronological order. But brief recap is I grew up in a black Baptist church. The pros were a lot of kids my age, made a lot of friends. There was always a lot to do. The cons were service was way too long. The pastor put me to sleep (laughs) with his voice. And I literally thought the church was supposed to be boring. The teachings are way too archaic and traditional for my tastes. Couldn't ask a whole lot of questions. Didn't really get answers when I asked questions. Was very discouraged from doing that. Um, And I walked away from that church with the belief that if I followed the Ten Commandments, and I did good things, and I wasn't a murderer or a cheater or a thief, then God would bless me. And if I did bad things, then God would punish me. And I thought that every single thing that I did in life was a direct correlation to like, if I prayed, I would find money on the ground. If I forgot to pray, I would stub my toe. Like, I literally thought that's how life worked. And then I went to a local megachurch that's non-denominational. The pros there were service was an hour. (laughs) Yes. Um, The pastor is awesome. Very conversational. Very open. Um, The church is very big on questions. Anyone can ask any question, really, whenever, and they will answer it for you or help you find it. Or they'll even say like, I have no idea, but here's what I think. Cons there were the community. I feel like um, the friend who originally brought me to this church ended up leaving it before I did. And we had a conversation about it one day and I really like how he put it. He said, this church would have you believe that the church is a place that facilitates the people. And that's not true and that's not biblical because the Bible says that the the body of Christ, which is us as the people, we are the church. And so this church wasn't really doing the work when it came to life change or helping people grow and understand. It was kind of like if you personally wanted to learn more about the Bible and you wanted to change your life, the church did have resources that would help you do that, but you would have to really work hard to find them. All the church was really trying to do was cater to a very large group of people and they do that very well. So if you're the type of person that just likes to go to church on Sunday, hear a message, feel good, and then not engage with the message or what you learned at all for the rest of the week until you go again the following Sunday, that's totally cool. The young adult group that I was a part of frequently went to the Saturday night service together because everybody would like go out to some bar after and like get drunk together. And I was just like, These things seem like contradictory activities, but that was very the culture of the church. It was like, if you kind of want to just add church to your routine, but not really go deep, then this is a great place for it. And then, you know, there was that crazy pastor on staff that I had the displeasure of (laughs) knowing, but that was last week, so we won't talk about that again. After leaving that church, I decided to come up with a criteria of like what was important to me to guide my church search. And I guess I've had a lot of people ask like, 
why didn't you just stop going? Like what made you, after you had these two like awful experiences, like what was it that made you still want to even go to church at all? And I think at that point in my life, I still was kind of very afraid of going to hell where I had this belief that I had studied the basics of other religions and figured out like what different people believed. And I was kind of like, okay, well, if the religion that says everybody that dies is reincarnated, it doesn't really matter if you believe in that or not. It's kind of just like based on how many good deeds you do, you get reincarnated into like a higher class in the next life. But it doesn't say like, if you totally reject this and you don't believe it, that factors into it. So I think I still very much had the belief of like, okay, well, Christianity says if I don't subscribe to it, I'm going to hell, which that's a whole other thing we can get into in a different podcast later. But I'm telling you, this is what I believed at the time. And I also was very aware that the experiences that I had were based on people. So like, I felt like the pastors and teachers and leaders at my parents' church just are living in the past. And I don't think their church has grown a whole lot since I stopped going to it. And I think that is because they are living in the past and they just don't want to get with the times and figure it out and be open and learn how to actually love people. Um, And then the second church that I went to, I left very specifically because of the bad experience that I had with the crazy pastor that was on staff. But I was very, like, I had an issue with her. I didn't have an issue. I never had an issue with God. Like, I never felt like God didn't love me or God didn't want me or like God was terrible. Somehow I I knew that I just didn't understand God and I just didn't know God. And I think I was in a place where I was pursuing like who really is God and does God really love me? Because I also was severely depressed the whole time I was going to this local mega church. I was very, very depressed and I was just kind of reaching in any direction of like, what is going to help me not be so sad all the time? My mom is a believer and she is someone who has never been able to explain faith. She's never been able to explain her faith to me or how prayer works or anything about it, which I think is really unfortunate because she has such strong faith and a great prayer life, but she would always say, just talk to Jesus Jesus is my best friend and just talk to Jesus and he'll give you everything that you need. And that frustrated me to death because I was constantly like, I'm talking to Jesus and he's not answering me and I'm angry and I'm sad and he's doing nothing for me. And it was one of those things where she'd be like, just keep, just keep praying, child, just keep praying, which like, love you, mom, but that's literally not helpful in any way, shape or form. So I came up with this criteria of basically like what what would my ideal church be like? And I basically just went through the aspects of my parents' church and then the second church, things that I liked and disliked about them. So I was like, I really want to find a church that's diverse. Like I don't want to go to a black church. I don't want to go to a white church. I want to go to a church that is culturally diverse. I want a pastor that has a conversational tone. Like I do not like screamy, yelly style preaching. I don't want to be concerned 10 minutes into the three hour sermon that the pastor is going to have a heart attack because he's sweating bullets and jumping up and down. And I just don't even hear what he's saying to understand why he's so excited or mad or whatever it is. And then from there, it was the time. Like I was like, I want to be in and out within two hours. I do not want to spend my entire Sunday at church. I think I was like, my mid twenties at that point too. So I really wanted a young adult group and I wanted a clear separation between youth, college, young adult, new adult, and adult. The local mega church had what they called the quarter life group. So it was supposed to be give or take 25, but it was kind of, I think you could start at 18 
and stay till you're 30. And I just feel like 18 to 30 is way too big of a gap because some 18 year olds are still in high school. You know, you've got like 18 to 22, 23 is college. And then like college and post-college living on your own full-time working are very different life phases. So I I don't feel like that crowd should all be together in one group. Worship was a really big deal to me because I am musical and I sing and play guitar and a little bit of piano and um, like the production value matters. So I really, really liked the gospel choir at my parents' church. I didn't know any worship music outside of gospel, so I had nothing to compare it to. But what I didn't like was the production value because at that church, anyone can do anything. You don't have to have skill it's just you make a joyful noise for the lord and if it's not a joyful noise for the rest of the people in the room that doesn't matter because you're making the noise for the lord but then there would be issues where like the men's choir was really bad and if the men's choir sang every second sunday attendance would fall because they were terrible and like any kid could get up there and scream a song badly and then we're all sitting in the balcony like laughing at the child playing the drums that doesn't know what they're doing or laughing at the really bad singer that can't really hold a note doesn't know the tune and that's distracting from like being able to worship God for me personally so that's something I really liked about the second church that I went to was that there was a very extensive audition process for the worship team so everybody on the worship team like you can't be on the worship team if you can't sing You can't play guitar if you can't play guitar. Like you have to actually have skill. And then they had a whole production team and just the production value was like legitimate singer at like a concert value, which was amazing because that way, like nobody's off key. The, The music is perfect. So I was able to just close my eyes and really listen to the lyrics and just get lost in actually worshiping because there was no part of the worship that was distracting to pull me out of it. I wanted some kind of classes or study. That was something I loved about the megachurch was I could take a Hebrew class or a Greek class there that was like completely free to me as a member of the church. Like anything I wanted to learn, like they had. I wanted to go somewhere that was LGBTQ friendly because that's important to me. And I wanted to be somewhere where I could feel safe asking questions and pushing back and being confused about what the Bible says. So I wrote all this stuff in a notebook and I made a list of like every church in the greater St. Louis area. I mean, I looked on Google. I asked friends, like anyone that I could find. I had this massive list of churches and I went to all of their websites first. Like I had to get a good vibe from the website. If I couldn't get any information or if I couldn't get information that gave me a good idea of what the experience was going to be like, or at least what to expect, then I just wouldn't even go. But I would go to the websites first, learn as much as I could. And then if they had the option, I would watch some sermons online so I could see if I liked the pastor. And then I would go in person. I would rank my list of like diversity, pastor, time, worship, all those things. I would have that list in my notebook and I would rank each of those things on a scale of one to five, five being they did amazing and one being awful. And so obviously I know there's no such thing as a perfect church. Like I knew that no church was going to be perfect. So I had to take like my top things. And so I think I made my top three was worship, young adults, and pastor. And I was like, I can kind of deal with all the other stuff if it's not great. So at least my top three had to score three or above for me to attend the church again. I also think that when hunting for a church, you should go at least three times. Usually three weeks is like the average sermon series if the pastor does series. So I feel like you never know if like you you might show up on an off week or you might show up on like an abnormally great week. So I think um, probably a month is better, but I think you should at least go three times. I think it should be three times in a row and not like sporadically like 
once and then wait six months and then go again. Um, but so as long as my top three things, I scored a three or higher, I would return to that church at least three times before I was like, okay, I have a good feeling about how I feel about that church before I would move on to the next one. And I had the churches kind of like all in a rotation. So then I would start ranking them against each other. And like the ones that I liked better would, I would keep going. And the ones that I didn't like would just fall off the list. And I would take them out of the rotation until I felt like I like, okay, this is the place. Like this is where I want to be. I spent about a year looking for a new church. So if you're listening to this and you have not found your church home and you're like, this method is exhausting, I'm sorry. I get it. I'm exhausted telling it, to be quite honest. This, Yeah, this is very exhausting. But I think it's a pretty sound method. I think it's a good idea. I think it works. I would do it again. But also it depends on what's important to you. Like if you're the kind of person that wants to just go on Sunday and not really get involved, then you're going to have less on your wish list, which is, you know, fine. If that's enough for you and your spiritual journey, then that's totally fine. I think that all of us are on our own spiritual journey. All of our lists are going to be very different and you just need to find what's important to you. As much as I think my method is a really good idea. I think it would have been better for me to do in my thirties because as my wish list completely flew out the window when I met a cute worship leader. So that's unfortunate. It's funny because I find a lot of Christians to be really weird. (laughs) One of the things on my list was how people greeted me when I was visiting the church. And I didn't have a a size of the church on my list. That didn't particularly matter to me. I grew up in a really small church and then I went to a mega church and I didn't particularly care that the one church was small and the other was so much bigger. It was more that with the small church, I did not like that everyone felt like family. Like I had random old ladies hugging me and kissing me because they knew my parents and they saw me grew up so they felt like family and I'm like you're not family you're a stranger do not put your lips on me and I would have like random adults telling me that my shorts were too short or whatever I needed to change and I was like yo you're not my mom like my mom saw me when I left the house before youth group and she said nothing to me about my shorts my mom is the person that gets to tell me to go change you don't like you don't know me. Shut up. So I definitely didn't like that. I did not like the entitlement that all of the older people at church felt like they had a right to say certain things because they were, they felt like parental figures or grandparents. I don't know. Whereas like at the mega church that never happened because no one is like assuming that they knew you better. But another thing that I noticed was at the really small churches where everybody knows everyone is they notice when new people come because you're all kind of sitting in the same seat every Sunday. So if you're not there the next week, your seat neighbor is like, oh, where were you last week? And that just feels very judgy and annoying. So I could always tell when I visited a new church that was really small and like, I feel like it was weird when people would come up to me and be like, oh my gosh, it's your first time. And one time these girls even followed me to the parking lot and were like, so what did you think? Are you going to be back? And I, I just honestly said to them, I was like, if I didn't like it and I wasn't going to come back, do you think I would tell you? Like truly following somebody to the parking lot to ask for feedback like this, if your goal is to get genuine feedback, that's not the way to do it. You know, like I found that very overbearing. So I did really like going to bigger churches just because I like to have the option to, if I'm visiting your church and I don't want to talk to anyone and I want to quietly observe from the back, I want the option to do that. And then, you know, most churches have like an information desk or something. So if I want more information and I want to talk to somebody, great, I'll go to the info desk. Let me seek out the information. 
And another thing I really love when churches do like a VIP thing for first timers where you can like sign up on the website and say, I'm visiting for the first time. And they send somebody to like meet you at the front door. That person usually will give you a tour. They'll sit with you. Um, That's really cool. And you can ask them any kind of questions that you have about the church. I really like that kind of stuff. So the cute worship pastor was at, it was a church that like, it's a giant church and they had recently opened like a smaller campus and he was the worship leader of the smaller campus. And so it was small enough for people to know like if you were new or not, but I liked that he was the one that came up to me because I had like watched him lead worship. I had enjoyed the service, really liked the pastor. And then he would like hang out in the back of the room after service, like talk to people. And he came up to me and was like, Hey, I haven't seen you before. Like, is this your first time here? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, you look about my age. Like we have a young adult group. And he was just super like sweet and conversational, really cute. I'm not, I'm going to be honest, y'all. I picked the church because he was beautiful, which I know is bad. (laughs) And I highly recommend you never choosing a church because you met an attractive man. Learn my lesson. We'll never do it again. But I did it, and I was like, this is the church for me. I will say, though, as far as the list of things, I did really love the pastor. Like, I felt like I was learning something every week. He was very conversational. I thought the pastor was great. The time was great, in and out, in an hour. That was amazing. I really liked the young adult group. They didn't have classes um, on the level that my previous church had, but I was willing to let that go. I did feel like they were LGBTQ friendly to an extent that I could tolerate. I felt like they were at least progressive and like moving in the right direction, very open to questions. Diversity was not there at all. I was literally the only speck of brown in the whole room, which I hated, but I was like, that's how it is at work. That's how it was at school my whole life. Like I'm used to it so I can deal. And it ended up just being a lesson in how important diversity really is to me, which we'll get to later in the story. (laughs) But basically, I joined the church pretty quickly, made friends with the cute worship leader. We started like talking all the time and I told him about like the whole experience of the previous church. And he was like, oh, dude, like I'll get you on the worship team next week. Like, (laughs) you know, scheduled my audition immediately. It went great. Introduced me to the rest of the team. Everybody was great. Um, The one thing I will say, though, about churches that have these contemporary music worship teams is everybody is pretty and that's annoying (laughs) because there's there's like a look for worship and I already didn't fit the look because I was black, but you could tell that like the pretty people were on platform and the less pretty people got put on production or they would do like background vocals and even though I was like pretty quickly put in camp pretty it was also like the pretty people had like a group text and would like coordinate outfits and the less pretty people were not a part of it and that was like very uncomfy also sometimes we would have rehearsals at like the like the giant church and there very quickly became a disconnect between like the main campus and the like smaller campus. It was almost like they were two completely different churches, like culture wise, that was night and day. And that was really uncomfortable. There was a weird like hierarchy where the music director one day told me that I could not stand in front of the worship leader and not like directly in front of like obviously you don't want to block the lead singer but I mean like if we were standing in a line like I had to be behind her so it was really weird because she stood like in the middle of the platform one day so I was like backed up literally my back was against the wall because it was the only way I could get behind her otherwise it would have been next to her and we would have been on like the same level and after like the the cute worship leader who was the worship pastor like he wasn't singing that day he was like what the hell are you doing against the wall and I was like well so and so told me that I had to be like behind her and she wasn't like and she was too far upstage like I couldn't (laughs) the only way to be behind her was to be against the wall and he was like 
okay, I'm going to talk to him. Like, I don't know what the hell that is, but like, absolutely not. Like you can stay, you can stand next to her. It's you guys are all leading worship together. Like, yeah, there's a worship leader and there's background singers, whatever. She's singing the verses, but you don't have to. So that also was weird because he was like not on the same page with like the rest of his team. Um, and you know, there's like a worship pastor and then there's a worship leader, which are both separate from the music director. Who's the person that's actually in charge of what's happening during the set. So all of that, like the politics I hated, but I did get to learn like how to use in-ear monitors, which are really cool. Um, that was a lot of fun. So it was like an overall, like cool learning experience that I'm grateful for. Um, the cute worship pastor got, a girlfriend and then started being really mean to me, which was weird. I think he like had a crush on me and then didn't know how to handle it when he decided to date her instead. And I was like, bro, we are like approaching 30. We can be adults about this, but he could not. And whatever, that's a different story. There just were a lot of odd, like (laughs) the young adults at this church were very young. Like it felt very high school and there were a lot of weird social, like this was a side hug church. If you're a Christian, you're probably, you probably like, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but there are certain churches where, you know, to keep everything kosher, it's like only side hugs are allowed. No one does like full on regular hugs. Cause it can be misconstrued. And I'm just like, I don't want to deal with this. I only lasted eight months at this church. The main reason I left this church was because diversity was a huge problem. So I made a friend at this church who I had no business being friends with. And really and truly, aside from the fact that she and I went to this church together, the only thing that we had in common was that both of us were very lonely. And so we both worked nine to five. So we had like nights and weekends free. So we both had a lot of time. We were very lonely and like desperately in need of friendship. And so we kind of got attached at the hip immediately just because whenever it came to like volunteering at the church, like we both would have the same nights free to do that. And that kind of thing, we were both in the young adult group. So we would like hang out all the time. Um, And there just wasn't really any substance to the friendship. It was kind of just like a desperation of like, we both wanted a best friend so bad. It was like, oh great, you're my best friend now. (laughs) And we were very like, we got very clicky and very exclusive to each other very fast because we were kind of like, we don't want anyone else to be a part of this friendship because we don't want to lose each other because we both been friendless for so long. Like we really wanted to protect this like new relationship that we had, but that was kind of the whole young adult group at this church in general. Like it was very clicky. And even though there were only like 20, 25 of us, It was still, it was split in two groups. We like met at two different houses and it was just really clicky. It was just, I don't know. It was very weird. And a new guy like moved to town, joined the church and she became very close friends with him as well. And then the three of us were like leading youth together. And that got really weird because there started to be all of these rules about like, the three of us would have to, if we were going to carpool, the three of us had to go together because the church had these rules about like unmarried men and women being alone together because people would talk, which I was like, does the church care that people are talking or does the church care that like premarital sex is happening because if it's not happening and people are insinuating because two people rode in a car together I feel like that's weird I mean before the cute worship leader got a girlfriend like he and I were alone multiple times and nobody ever said anything about it but then it was weird because this friend of mine and this new guy like they both got pulled aside and had like a talking to after like the third time they left the church together in a car with like nobody else with them. So I started having to like ride with them to places and then got to know this guy better, figured out he was a racist pretty quickly. Um, Even like his Facebook page was just full of like super racist memes. And this was around the time that Halle Bailey's casting in the little mermaid was announced initially. So I ended up having to like pull this guy aside one day and I was like, look, 
I'm very uncomfortable with like the racist things that you say and that you post on your social media. So can we have a conversation about this? And he was like, oh, well, I don't necessarily believe in the stuff that I post. Like I just post it to like spark conversation because it, you know, just putting it out there to get people to talk about it. And I was like, okay, well, it would maybe help if you would add some text to your post, even a sentence of like, what do you guys think about this? Or like, I disagree. What do you think? Because all you're doing is like reposting and sharing with no context. And typically the assumption when somebody does that is that you do agree or endorse whatever the content of the post is. We got into this whole fight because he told me that racism does not exist and black people have invented it in their minds to complain about things. <laughs> and I was just like, very politely, y'all, I, I swear to you, I was so sweet and kind. And I just said, respectfully, you and I cannot be friends because you are invalidating my existence and you are saying things that harm me. And essentially, you don't love me and my people as people and as members of the body in Christ. And that is a problem to me. So I'm happy to continue serving with you. But outside of being cordial, when we're volunteering together, I'm not going to speak to you and like not going to be hanging out with you at our mutual friend's house anymore. Like I'm just I'm done. Like I'm not even going to try to have another conversation here because he was super close and like not interested And after that, it was super interesting because, as I told you, the campus that we went to was pretty small. The young adult group was really small. Like there were maybe 20 people total in the young adult group. And eight of them reached out to me after this conversation and like asked me to meet for coffee or like meet at the church for whatever. And I sat down for eight of these meetings and at all the meetings, people were like, so I talked to, I talked to so-and-so and he's really hurt and upset that you called him a racist. You really hurt his feelings. And I just want to make sure that you like understand the gravity of your decision here because not being his friend is really harmful and as brothers and sisters in Christ we have to forgive and we have to work through things and I was like have you looked at his Facebook posts have you listened to the shit that he says like do you think it's okay do you agree with him and most people would just like stare at the ground and not respond to me at that point but the ones that were like well no I do think it's a little problematic I was like great did you sit down with him and have a conversation about that And then it was dead silence. Like not a single person reached out to him and said, hey, actually some shit that you say is problematic and she has a right to be mad. No one had that conversation with him, but they all came to me to say like, oh, he's sad and you upset him. And like, and I was like, I am so done with you people. I cannot even like so glad the cute worship leader is getting married now because he was my only tie to this place. Even the girl that had been my bestie, like she sat me down and was like really frustrated about it because she was like, you guys are my two best friends and it really bothers me if you can't get along. And like, I mean, literally all the three of us were having dinner together like three, four nights a week. Like we were together frequently and it was like cramping her style to have to plan stuff with him and with me separately. And I was just like, I'm confused that you're even able to be best friends with the two of us like we are so opposite when it comes to our opinions on like literally anything and he's a mean person like and she's like but he loves Jesus and I'm like I don't care if he loves Jesus he hates gay people he hates black people he hates literally anyone that's not straight and white like actively hates them and she's like he doesn't hate anyone he's a christian and i'm like just because he goes to the same church as us doesn't make him a christian like we got into a whole argument about this and i told her i was like at the end of the day if you want to have a racist for a best friend cool but you need to like you know have the balls to say the dude's a racist and i don't care the dude's a bigot and i don't care 
you know? And I just told her, I was like, if that's the kind of person that you want to call your best friend, I don't even want to call you my acquaintance. Like you're not somebody I want around if that's the person that you, that's the closest to you and you can't even call him on his shit. And she just got like so upset with me. We never spoke again. She didn't reach out not one time after I left the church and I didn't reach out to her either. I don't care because the friendship was never strong to begin with. But once again, this church experience was shitty because of people, which again, had nothing to do with God. And I will say that this stop on my journey to finding a church home did not do a whole lot for my spiritual journey. I kind of got back into where I was at my parents' church, where I was at church four or five days a week. I was super involved. I was on the worship team. I was on the production team. I was leading youth. I was anytime there was a volunteer opportunity, I was there. And I kind of fell back into that habit of like trying to please God by doing things where there's a literal verse in the Bible about how there no amount of works can get you into the kingdom of God. Like it's just faith and belief that gets you there. Um, but I wasn't really in a place to be learning that. But luckily this experience got me to where I am now. <laughs> Praise God. Thank God. Um, so I currently go to Elevation Church, which is based in Charlotte, North Carolina. I am biased, but I think it's the best church in the world. I have not been to every church in the world to be able to fully make that opinion. But how I found it actually was when I was on the worship team at the previous church, we sang a lot of Elevation Worship songs. And I did not know that Elevation Worship belonged to a church. I thought they were just a Christian band. And so when I left that church, I was like, you know what? I'm done with church for a while. I'm not going to go to church for the foreseeable future. <laughs> and um, I think I took like three to six months off where I didn't go to church at all. And I would casually watch some sermons online or listen to some podcasts if I felt like it, but I just didn't care enough to go through the whole year of searching again. And then I was praying about it and journaling about it. And I felt the Holy Spirit say like, all right, it's time to start looking again. Like you've had your time off. Like, let's get Let's find community. That's This is part of what, um, because as Christians, we are called to be in community with one another. And I was really missing that. So I went back to my list <laughs> that I had before I had picked that last church and I just scratched it off. And I was like, all right, on to the next one, like restarted the journey again. And while I was visiting churches, my mom sent me a sermon. She and I had talked about something. I don't remember what it was. But she discussed it with a friend and then the friend sent her this sermon and my mom sent it to me and she's like, hey, my friend sent me this sermon. It like addresses this thing that you and I were talking about that you said you were struggling with. I think you would really like it. And so I listened to it. It was Pastor Stephen Furtick and I have never heard a pastor give a sermon where I was not only alert the whole time, but interested the whole time, like on the edge of my seat wanting to hear more, really learning something. And I was like, who is this guy? And I started like researching him, Googling him. And then I was like, oh, no way. Like his church has the worship team that sings all of these songs that I love. And then I found out that they like write their own songs and he's a songwriter. And I got really into like the worship and the sermons and like the whole worship experience at Elevation is just my favorite. And I was still doing my local church search. And every single week after I visited a local church, even if it checked most of the things off my list, I would still get home and watch Elevation and just like that experience better. And I just always preferred it. And I was starting to get upset where like I would go to a local church and I'd be like, I just want to stay home and watch Elevation. Like I get so much more from that than I do with any of these places in person. And I had a really hard time with it because I discussed it with my parents at one point and I will never forget my dad said something absurd like online churches for sick and disabled people. This was pre-COVID by the way. But you know, like there was a, a lot of that was hammered into me where people were like, you can't go to church online. Like you have to, you have to go to church in person. And so I struggled with that for a while. And then there finally was a day where I was home by myself finished the worship experience. I was praying and God was just like, why do you care so much what other people think? Church is about you and me. 
It's about you getting closer to me. And if Elevation Worship does that for you, if Stephen Furtick does that for you, and it's online, why does that matter? Did I ever say that you can't go to church online? Like, no, he didn't. So I officially decided to like join the church. And then if you log in like 10, 15 minutes before the worship experience, they have what's called the pre-experience. And they talk about like all kinds of opportunities and events and stuff that the church has going on. And so they started talking about, you know, if you attend online and you don't live anywhere near Charlotte, North Carolina, we do still have volunteer opportunities for you. So I went to volunteer orientation that they had on Zoom. And I learned about all of the different opportunities that they have for online volunteers. And like online is a campus at Elevation and has been for years and years and years now. It wasn't created due to COVID like before that. Um, And so I started out, I joined their welcome team, which was pretty cool because you get to call people all over the world when people um, like either give their life to Christ or join the church, like they get like somebody personally reaches out to them to hear about their story and their spiritual journey. And that was just really amazing to get to connect with so many people. And then I joined an e-group, which is what Elevation calls their small groups. And I was in this e-group with a bunch of women that were my mom's age So it was a little annoying because I was having a lot of issues with my mom at the time. And anytime that I would want to talk about it, like there was only one girl in the group who was my age. So she would always call me after and be like, hey, I get it. But all of the women in the group that were my mom's age would would just be looking at it from my mom's perspective. And I was like, that's not what I need right now. But it still was nice to be in the group. The girl that was my age lives in Brazil and she's now one of my best friends. And it's so cool to say like one of my best friends lives in Brazil. And I ended up, I transitioned from the welcome team to the e-groups team because I wanted to start my own e-group because I couldn't find one for people my age. So I was like, I'm going to just start a group for twenties and thirties. So I did that. Um, and I intentionally, when I started it, I put my group on Saturday mornings because I wanted to be able to connect with more of the international members of Elevation and my e-group filled up in like the first day that it was live on the website. I had like 30 people sign up and like now of my closest friends, like one of them lives in Canada. One of them lives in Portugal. I have a friend in Singapore. I have a friend in Indonesia and like, it's just so insane that like, and we talk pretty frequently, like, you know, we just use WhatsApp and it's awesome. Um, I have since moved my group a few times just due to like personal schedule and stuff. So now we meet on Wednesday nights at seven central. So if you're between the ages of 25 and 35, give or take, and you're looking for a small group, hit me up. You can join. Everyone that I have met at Elevation is so genuine Like people just go there and they're deep and they talk about what they're struggling with. There's no surface level, like we're here just to check off a box. It's like, these are people that are actively trying to get closer to God and get closer to God's people and help people that don't believe understand if they're interested. Like I haven't met anyone that's trying to like force Jesus down anyone's throat. It just has been so nice and with my group in particular like elevation writes sermon discussion questions for us to lead small group every week so they make it really really easy to lead a group and they even give you like icebreakers and i always skip those and i tell new people when they join my group i'm like look i don't do icebreakers i don't do small talk like we are here to get deep i'm gonna ask you about your problems what makes you cry what are you scared of because that's how i'm gonna know you And that's how I'm going to help you. And like, thankfully, I've gotten so many people that join my group that like love it and they gravitate toward that. And it's just been awesome. The other really cool thing is that shortly after I joined Elevation, my sister moved to Charlotte for her new job. And so I went to visit her and she and I went to Elevation has like, I honestly don't know how many, I think like nine or 10 campuses in the Carolinas. And then there's two in Florida and two in Canada. Um, I think those are all of them, but I'm really not sure like physical campuses. But since I went to go visit my sister in Charlotte, she and I went to one of the physical campuses and y'all, it was the first time in my life I have ever been in a church that had too many brown people to count. Like I was looking all around the room and I was like, oh my gosh, there are so many of us, but we're not the majority. Like it's not a black church, 
but it's not a white church. It's not a Hispanic church. It is a melting pot. Like there were so many cultures and races in the room. And I saw like same sex couples holding hands and having like their arms around each other, sitting right in front of us, worshiping alongside everyone else. And nobody was side-eyeing them or being weird about it. And I just felt at home. It was like the first time in my life I've ever cried during a worship experience. I was just so excited to be there. And it literally like that the entire list that I made when I started this journey, I mean, like this church has the diversity. They have an amazing pastor and his wife, our pastor Holly is amazing and writes these studies that we do every year that I just love. The experience is an hour. Um, They don't have a young adult group in particular, but I was able to make one. So that worked for me. The worship is amazing. They don't have classes that people can take, but the sermon is a class. Like I learn so much from Pastor Stephen, like the context that he gives. He never just recites a Bible verse. He always says like, gives you the time period, the speaker, the audience, anything that like would be common knowledge to people at the time it was written. He's sure to like share with us so that we understand and then compares it to like something of today so we can like get what he's talking about. Um, And I can like reach out to staff whenever I want and ask questions. And it has just been the absolute, you know, just, just looking back through my notebook of like every single thing that I wanted in a church, it has everything. I mean, everything. And I'm not even going to tell you that the church is perfect because it's not like every church has its issues. The more involved you get, it's like the more you learn about some of the politics and whatever. And it's just kind of like, do I want to deal with this or not kind of thing. And I haven't had any issues with elevation that like were not resolved in a way that made me really, really excited to be a part of this church. Sometimes the journey can take years And I'm very conscious of the fact that like Elevation might not be my forever church. You know, it might be my church for my 20s and 30s. And maybe when I'm 40, I'll want to go somewhere else. But so far, the church is growing and I'm growing with it. And I see myself attending this church for a very long time. The biggest thing for me since going to this church is just revelations I have had about my spiritual journey. Like I have truly legitimately studied the Bible for the first time. And I no longer am a Christian because I'm afraid of going to hell. Like I am a Christian because I know God and I trust God and I believe in him. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe that he loves me. I believe that he cares. And I've just, I've learned through going to this church that so much of my anger and depression and issues that I was having when I was younger came from a a lack of understanding. Like I didn't, I didn't love God because I didn't know God. And I felt like God was angry with me. You know, a lot of people, people talk about God being the father, like God's a father figure. And that never sat right in my head because my father is not an emotional person. I don't feel like he ever cared if I was happy. I feel like he's very analytical and he viewed his role as a father to make sure that I had a roof over my head, that I went to school, that I was financially taken care of. And he was kind of like, you know, once I graduated college and I got a job and was living on my own, he was like, great, I did it. And he kind of checked out and was just like done. And even when I was living in his house, it's like, you know, he was very like, you know, my job is to provide for you, like, but he never provided any emotional support. He didn't see that as part of his job. So he was a very tough disciplinarian. And I felt like the stuff that I was punished for as a kid was ridiculous because my sisters and I were so good. I mean, we just were never compared to like what we could have been doing. You know, I was getting spanked for like back talking and I'm just like, are you serious? Like I had a question and you got mad at me, like what's happening. But that really like, I was afraid of my dad for like most of my childhood 
and people would talk about in church, they would talk about the fear of God. And like, even like before my dad would spank me, it'd be like, put the fear of God in those kids. And, you know, they would always quote, spare the rod, spoil the child. And I have since learned that the fear of God is not that you're supposed to be afraid of God. It's supposed to be that that you are afraid of being without God. You are afraid of a life in which you don't have a connection to God, where you have this intimate personal relationship that you can talk to him and tell him things. And so when people kept saying, like, think of God as a father figure, I would compare God to the only father figure that I know, which is my father. And I am like, he's, I receive him as very cold and very detached And my therapist used to tell me that I would describe God as like a figure that sits up in the clouds and watches my life. And like he could step in, but he wouldn't. He just kind of sat there watching me. And that's really how I felt for like most of my life. I was like, yeah, I don't think that God intimately cares about me and it really was just because I didn't know him like I would I've met so many people that talk about God and say that like God is their best friend my mom's one of those people and I could not I still can't describe that God that way to be perfectly honest with you I do not consider God my best friend I don't talk to God like that I'm not on that level with him but I think I'm getting there in which I do see God as someone that loves me and cares about me and roots for me and truly wants me to succeed. He's not just waiting for me to screw up so that he can punish me. And if you are a person that is still like in that space where like that's who you think he is, like I encourage you to find a community and a church that is truly teaching who God is because that is fundamentally i mean before you read any other bible story before you learn about sin and grace you have to understand who jesus is and what jesus wants and i feel like that was just mistaught to me at the church that i grew up in but i'm not upset about it because it all put me on this journey that brought me to where I am today. We are now at 51 minutes. I was trying to do this in 45, so I'm sorry that this is almost an hour once again. Um, But thank you all for listening. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can email me at realhonestpod at gmail.com. Movie rec of the week is Barbie. If you haven't seen Barbie, see Barbie. If you have seen Barbie, see Barbie again. I legitimately, I say this about a lot of movies, so a lot of my friends and family that are listening to this are probably like, oh my gosh, she's so dramatic. Every movie is her favorite movie, but Barbie is legitimately my favorite movie ever in my life. Like, I think it is the best movie ever. It is so deep. I relate to it so much. I think it's it's so funny and so emotional and so real and like America Ferrero's speech is just like everything that it means to be a woman and my sisters and my mom didn't really get it and I was like very sad <laughs> so maybe you'll hate it and you won't really get it um but I think everybody needs to see Barbie I wish more men would see Barbie because it's kind of defeating the purpose if y'all don't see it but that's my recommendation for this week Thanks so much for listening. See you next week. I'm not here to sugarcoat. I'm sorry about you. Too much shelter causes pain. Let's just be real honest. Things are gonna knock you down. Avoidance will not help you out. Let's talk it through. You mean you. Let's keep it real honest.